Hi, everyone. So we are dropping into your feed on an unusual day this week because we have something fantastic to tell you. Now, in the crowded world of podcasts, there are more and more podcasts coming out to talk about the critical issues that we're facing, but still relatively few about climate change, mm. although more and more, thankfully. But just recently, one has been launched that is so good that we wanted to pop mm. up and specifically tell you about it. And we have the two hosts with us here today. Tom, Lucy, welcome to this very special mini edition of Outrage and Optimism. Welcome. Oh, guys, well, that Tom, was so nice. Wait a second, Tom Carnell. You have to mention the name oh, of yeah, that Oh, yeah, good podcast. point. That's not a very good advert no so good far. It does no good to just say yeah. Yeah. No, 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 we can let the people find it. They can just try and find, find it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, is this a mystery? Oh, I see, I see. Is this a mystery <laughs> game? It's a game, it's a game. Tom. So <laughs> it has a brilliant name, as is fitting for two people who have produced a podcast about how you communicate climate change. It's called So Hot Right Now. And honestly, I wish we'd thought of that before we came up with Outrage and Optimism. It is a very good title. Yeah. Thank you. So tell us, how's it going? What's it about? Well, um, the title was Tom Mustills uh -huh. because he went to a climate protest um, before lockdown, obviously. And he had a sign. Didn't you have a sign, Tom, with So Hot Right Now on it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, I, that was my, my my protest sign. It was a really sweltering day. Um, huh? uh, it was it was in support of the children's climate strikes. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's where the name came from. Love it. Did you get lots of feedback on your sign, Tom? Did people come up and say, that is such a cool sign? And did they assume that was a claim about, you know, your physical appearance, those sorts of things? <laughs> ah, that's well, it was. That's, that's a funny exactly. thing. No, that's a joke. <laughs> Yeah, I was just trying to look cool. I'm not really into the climate stuff. I was just right, there exactly. to, for the, for the kudos. <laughs> the swimwear <Yeah>. model. <laughs> yeah. I was like, who are these other guys? Oh, come on. Oh, it's a really climate I thought class, I was right. being very discreet. <laughs> now, you know, Tom Carnack spills the beans. Oh, this, this is terrible. He's a good-looking guy. What can I say? Oh, stop I, it. Uh, yeah. yeah, so he carries around a sign saying how good-looking he is. And, um, yeah, so we actually, this all stems from the fact that... We met at the Frontline Club, which is the journalist club in Paddington. It's a sort of shady looking building with a sort of door that you'd never venture up the stairs. Um, but we did because we were doing a debate on climate change. Mm. And we met and we both decided that, you know, I, I'm a journalist, Tom's a filmmaker. And we both kind of decided that our, that our industry could probably do a bit better. Mm. Yeah, we were, we kind of met up to have a grouse and a complain yeah. together. We yeah, were sort we of both fed up of the various bits of of broadcasting that we were involved in and how hard it was to get these stories out there, even when whole continents were on fire and, you know, the evidence was so clear. We just thought, what what could be done better? And then, you know, it, there was the UN meeting and Greta marched in New York and everything suddenly seemed to change. And suddenly there were all these new people who were talking about climate and the uh, crisis in our natural systems. So we just thought, why don't we get people who are really good at communicating to tell mm. us what they've learned so they, how, they, how we can all do it better, especially with all these new people joining the conversation. Mm. Yeah, so we sort of went from grousing about how it wasn't good enough to scrambling to keeping up with all these bright young things with all these amazing ideas. So, <laughs> and then lockdown happened. So, so who, it's been an adventure. Who do you have talking to you about how we're going to communicate climate? What are some of your guests? I mean, obviously, Christiana. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. Christiana, forget <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 How did you get the her? Christiana. 
It was really tough to get her, and uh, she, you know, she played very hard to get, yeah. and we had to yeah. put in multiple, multiple requests. Now, now, we know. Now, we now. Know. Let's have the truth. Let's have the truth come out. Yeah, tricky, tricky customer, really, guys. Let's talk about some of the other people because uh, no, Christiana was fantastic. Um, and but we've also had uh, Crystal Two Bulls, who's a native water protector uh, from the United States. We've spoken to George Monbio. Uh, we've spoken to Damien Carrington, also from the Guardian, about the words we use. We've spoken to Ellie. Goulding, mm. Mary Robinson, the former president of Ireland. And Mary Hegler. Mary Hegler. Oh, yeah. Amy Investor- Westervelt. Um, launching with David Attenborough sounds familiar. Oh, yes. Yeah, we did launch yeah. with David Attenborough. Yeah, where do you get that idea from? <laughs> oh, <laughs> busted. We're not small-minded, we're just noticing, that's all. <laughs> uh, well, you you started with David Attenborough, then you did Ellie, whereas we've got um, a couple of episodes in between. Oh, in between, so, okay. Uh, right. yeah, yeah. You know, we have mixed it up quite a lot. You know, so, our lawyers uh, are, you know, very tame and understanding. They just want to talk to you, that's all it is. No, but uh, listen, honestly, I, I, I've got to salute you because it's all about communication. Communications and, and big respect for just going off and like doing it and, and bringing that whole community together because what is climate change if it's not a communications challenge above all else? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And, and, and we, although we started it having a grouse and we were thinking about all the things we'd complain about on the podcast, all the terrible censorship, all the, the scary stuff, it's been really life affirming. Um, and there, we've found ourselves, I mean, laughing a lot. <laughs> Um, which we didn't necessarily expect in our grumpy origin. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's wonderful. Great. And Tom, Tom and Lucy, I, I have a question. Um, how has this lockdown um, been reflected in your listenership and perhaps in your guests? Um, I, I mean, we're it, it's fascinating, right, that you chose and we chose, but you so much closer to the lockdown chose the one medium uh, for which you don't have to leave your home. Um, and, uh, you know, so that was that was quite visionary of you. But um, have you noticed either in your listenership or your guests, um, are more guests willing to come on to the podcast because they're in lockdown? Are you getting more listeners because of it? What, what, what's, what's the effect been? Well, we don't know if we're getting guests because of it, because we we only spoke to, I think Ellie is the only interview that we've got pre-lockdown, and that was a couple of days before. And then for us, we've been planning this for so, so long, for months and months and months, and then it was just so peculiar that this should happen right at the moment that we were ready to record it. I think there was a definite turn in the last few days Um, on social media, I've noticed, of people being so sick of not talking about climate. Yeah. So I'm hoping that a lot of people are relieved that they can, you know, come to uh, outrage and optimism or so hot right now and actually have the conversation. Mm. I think people felt like they were being suppressed and censored because everything else is dominating. So I'm hoping that we are... Uh, providing in fact somebody said to me this morning that they found it so reassuring yeah yeah fantastic I thought that was an interesting word yeah it's a it's a good insight um Lucy I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because I uh, heard and I think now we're getting over it but at the beginning I heard from so many colleagues friends and family you know in, in the climate community that they didn't dare 
They didn't dare speak about climate because they felt there was a lack of sensitivity to the very obvious other crisis that we're in. And so to bring those two conversations together and, uh, and really make quite clear that these are not mutually exclusives, that they actually have to be brought together in their solution, I think has helped to move us beyond that self-imposed taboo um, of speaking about climate when we're all uh, living the reality of, uh, of the health crisis. Yeah, totally. Mm. And, and uh, Christiana, you, I, I'd like to pick up on uh, how you uh, called us visionary uh, and to say that it was just total dumb luck. We didn't yeah. want to do it in the lockdown. We, we, we had just started planning it when Shh, the quiet, pandemic quiet. arrived. <laughs> so it's, uh, um, should, yeah. should we ask yeah. Clay to just, you know, <laughs> Remove edit that, that piece yeah, exactly. out? <laughs> well, I don't want to um, keep our listeners waiting because we are going to play them a clip from your brilliant yep. podcast, So Hot Right Now. Um, we think it's brilliant. We think you're both great for starting at what an important issue. Lucy, did you know, Lucy, that you play a small but significant role in my marriage as almost every time we're doing the recycling, my wife says to me, oh, Lucy Siegel says you can do this, that, and that on plastic. So that's a tiny plug for Lucy's brilliant book about plastic as well, which you should also check out. But definitely Thank go and listen you. to their podcast. Here's a small clip. You can find it wherever you get your podcast called So Hot Right Now. Tom, Lucy, thanks for joining us. See you soon. We should do more together. Yes, yeah. please. Oh, thanks for welcoming us to the family, guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I guess uh, I was looking back at, at your work and thinking about how different it is now. When you started, you know, if people wanted to see a video of an animal or an ecosystem that existed in another country, there was only really one place to see it, and that was on television, and it was in, in black and white. And now somebody can decide they want to see an octopus in Sumatra and get out their phone and 30 seconds later they can be watching a video of it. And attention spans are are short and the natural world is full of complexity and detail. When you sit down to write your narration, how do you imagine your audience and and write to engage them? Uh, The first thing to say, I think, is that that the the right way to make naturalistic films is is to try your damnedest to tell the story in pictures. Uh, the best film of all, we'd have no commentary on it at all. But we know we don't reach that degree of perfection. You can't really do that, but but close. And the, the more you can leave to the pictures, the more evident it is from the pictures as to what the story is, uh, uh, the better, in my view. Commentaries, in my view, again, uh, should be kept to the minimum. And when I look back at films that I've made in the past, I nearly always say to myself, there's about... There's too many words there. That narrator is using too many words. Uh, And I'm sure that's right. Uh, You should pare the words down to the absolute minimum and allow the pictures to tell the story. Um, And uh, it's a very, very good discipline. I don't go in for flowery narrations. I don't, there's no point in using adjectives. The point of adjectives is to try and give people a a mental image of what you're writing about. If you've got film, you don't need adjectives. You shouldn't actually tell people what they can see already. And you shouldn't inject your subjective emotions too much onto them. They're they're responsible for their own subjectivity, I think. I wanted to ask you specifically about plastic. You took a big decision with Blue Planet 2 to include 
the plastic crisis in this series, and it provoked an unprecedented public reaction. I know because I suddenly was able, I'd been, I'd been on the trail of plastic waste globally for about 15 years. And I, for the first time, I had people, viewers, chasing me around, asking me questions. I interviewed, you know, grown men who cried on beaches because of the damage that plastic was doing and the, the world that their grandchildren would inherit. So thank you. <laughs> but were you surprised by the reaction? Well, yes, uh, indeed, because, in fact, we've been saying that sort of thing, for, for as you have too, as you just said, for 15, 10, 15 years. So have we. Somehow it, it didn't ring a bell. And if, if, if we as broadcasters knew what it was that suddenly makes something take off, we would be, we would be very clever indeed and have a, a talent which uh, advertisers would give huge sums of money for. Uh, it was absolutely unexpected as far as I was concerned. I mean, I knew that in, in Blue Planet 2, and, and this was the decision by the producers, not initially by me, uh, I knew that we would have to deal with this particular thing we would mention as indeed we have done again and again and again but we would do it again and it and it, the moment came when there was we i was walking along a beach and it was just terrible the amount of litter plastic litter was on the beach and i simply picked up a bit and said something now that sequence didn't last more than about a couple of minutes i should think and yet suddenly for some reason or other which is un it must be where it was placed in the in the broadcasting schedules, what other programs had gone at the same time, uh, what the the mood of the nation was at the time. I don't know what it was, but suddenly there was an unprecedented response, and of course it was very gratifying. But it wasn't. You can't. I can't claim to have done it in any better way or different way or more concentrated or more inspired way than I have done um, again and again in previous years, as indeed I'm sure you have. Do you think that we can learn anything from the, the public response to Blue Planet 2? No, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, because, you know, it, it really does depend. What was the news that morning? That morning, uh, what was there on, on the uh, other channel at the time? Uh, was there a popular football match at the time? Um, uh, what time of the day was it scheduled? Uh, who knows? Audiences are very difficult to predict. And as I said, advertisers would pay a lot of money if they could predict what the reaction of audiences are, but they can't. A lot of people maintain they can, but I don't believe they can. I mean, we do our best, we plug away, saying the same thing over and over again, as I've been doing, and, I, and plenty of others have too. Um, and the plastic issue is an issue that nobody can claim that it was not, had not been ventilated before or not mentioned before by plenty of other people. Uh, of course it had, but why that, why Blue Planet 2, um, and that, t that very short sequence had the quite, a different order of, of reaction by the public, I can't tell. I think a lot of people will be surprised to hear that because I think sometimes in retrospect it can seem planned and it can seem obvious that something would have got a reaction uh, that then everybody points to. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to think of how much luck is at play in all of this and in broadcasting. Yes, you just have to keep going at it. Hey everyone, this is Clay. We hope you enjoyed that clip from the premiere episode of So Hot Right Now. 
a brand new podcast on a mission to change the conversation about nature and the climate crisis. I've put a link in the show notes below to where you can listen to the latest episode. So go listen and be sure to subscribe.